Well, good morning, everybody. Does anybody need a seat up here that's stuck somewhere? Everybody okay? Kind of crammed in. There's a few, but man, hey, front row. Best time for everything. <laughs> <laughs> I love, uh, one of the things I really like about our, our worship team is each pe- the pieces that each of them bring to it, but I really love when Lisa prays or shares a thought because she just teaches a a sermon, a, just teaches a message about theology every time she does that. Have you noticed when she does that? I think it's really cool, and I, I appreciate that because it's not my strength. Now, in case you're wondering if that's my son or not, <laughs> he's like slow, stooping down, and he's still 6'5". I like to say that, that he got cursed with the outside but blessed with the inside of Claire. So all of the inside is Claire, but the outside is kind of sketchy. <laughs> so we are starting this series on marriage. Sorry, am I embarrassing you, Taylor? I apologize. Uh, we're starting this series on marriage. Uh, we're calling it From This Day Forward. And, you know, everybody in here has probably been to a wedding. That's usually one of the phrases that's said inside of the, uh, the, the vows at some point. From this day forward, to have and to hold, from this day. And the thing about this is I, I think that the whole effort of marriage, our whole understanding of marriage is a community effort. It's not just about the people who are in marriage relationships. And I want to emphasize that as we go into this, that we, when we call this from this day forward, what I'm talking about is not just people who are married, renewing vows or going forward in a new way, but to refresh all of us on what marriage is, why it's important what the Bible says about marriage, because it is vi- it's vital to all of us. So if you're, it's a long, long time to so you might be married, if you've been married a really long, I mean, we have all kinds of people in this room and all kinds of people that we influence in that, in our families and friendships. So wherever you fall in that, the idea here is to just communicate what the Bible says about marriage so that we can understand it more deeply and more accurately instead of some of the things, that, the ways that we come about and to it in life and how we learn about it. So uh, having said that, uh, I, you know, I have to start by saying whenever I see someone stand up to speak about marriage, I am the ultimate skeptic because I'm like, that guy is so full of junk. He's telling me all this stuff about the great things he did and how his marriage is so lovely, you know, and his wife is probably over there going, you know, he says that, but, or if she, if it's a woman that's speaking about it, either way, I'm always so skeptical. And I've, for months, knowing that this series was coming, I've been, uh, had some kind of um, concern over it that I would communicate in any way that uh, some inauthenticity about the relationship that I happen to be in. I've been married for almost, well, I'm in my 25th year of marriage. I feel like I just started. Like I, the same things happen over and over and over, okay? When I became 13, ladies, men, I stopped maturing. Okay? I have not learned anything since then. Yeah, and it's a fun, it's a fun way to live. <laughs> but man, it causes some suffering. Uh, 
So I just want to, and I'm sure I will have to say this every time in some form or fashion when I get up here, but I just want to ask for your grace and mercy as I share this stuff. I'm not trying to, I'm not going to give you a bunch of marriage tips. We're going to talk about what the Bible says about marriage. But what I I hope is that together uh, we will, and and that's a reason for the, the small groups that are going to start after this, to engage together around marriage and growing that in, our, our understanding of that, and as we know more about what it is and what it should be, then it would influence uh, us in, in our relationship with Christ, whether we are married or not. So let's go into this together. I get, I, one more quick thought is, if you've ever been on like a, a rock climbing trip with a group, or you've been to some kind of, you know, uh, climbing wall with a team, you're going to learn about, you know, your team dynamics or something. And there's always somebody who's, who becomes the self-appointed coach and says, and so a new, you know, a person's up on the wall and they're, you know, they might be six feet up, but to them, it's like 3000 feet up and they're just shaking. And, and then this is what the person says from the bottom. They say, uh, just put your foot over there or just reach up to this one, you know, over here. It's just right there. And just is always the word in there. But there's some person who's always knows all the answers and can tell you, even though, you know, to the person on the wall, it could be absolutely the most terrifying thing possible to do to reach out and actually make that move to grab that one little place. But to the person on the ground, it just looks so easy. That's the thing about standing here. I don't ever want to sound like the guy that says, oh, just put your foot over there and it'll all be good. That's not how it works. Uh, And so we're, we're going into this together as a team for a few weeks just to talk about it. And so let's just start from that place. Uh, one other thing soon this week, we'll have an online resource on our website. Just have some, some books and some reference material and other messages to listen to or watch just to help you. If you want to go further and dig in a little bit deeper. So check that out. And there'll be a sign up for our small groups there as well. And just going forward, I want to tell you what is coming. I apologize for the giant introduction here, but this is just how it goes. Um, today we're going to talk about the reason for marriage. The reason for marriage. That's where we're going. That's what we're going to get to eventually when I finish telling you all this preliminary stuff. Uh, Next week, the foundation for marriage. We're going to talk about the foundation for marriage. The next week is friendship in marriage. The week after that is love and respect in marriage. And finally, the S word in marriage. (laughs) I know. All you 13-year-old boys are like, I know what he's talking about. (laughs) But the reason for marriage, if we were to ask each person in here, if we did a little survey and said, you know, what is the reason for marriage? We get a lot of different answers. And some would be better than others. But there is a concept that we have built into us that is part of our culture, our... um, our nature and who we are that tells us that marriage is where we find the perfect person to fulfill us. So whatever we might believe is the reason for marriage or the idealistic idea, it might be something other than that. The thing that we operate on, the way we work from a heart level, the most interior level of of ourselves is that we believe that we're looking for the perfect person to meet all of our needs. That's, that's 
And, and you, oh, yeah. Just like Miss Piggy feels like uh, Kermit's going to meet all of her needs. Oh, boy. Um, so, before I tell you what the reason for marriage is, let me try to illustrate this, uh, illustrate it first. Uh, up the street here on Elk, there's a gallery called Riverlight Gallery, and I don't know if you've been in there, but a couple of artists in our body uh, have their stuff there. Um, one is Mike Mahoney and one is, is Roz Cook. And I don't think Mike's here today, but I know Roz is somewhere. There she is. Roz uh, makes sculptures, and Mike is a painter. And Mike paints pictures where he uses a lot of texture. If you ever go in there, take a look, you'll see a lot of texture. The paint, he probably spends a ton on paint because it's just so thick. And he draws things even into the paint. And he draws uh, stylized images of the things that are alive in there. They're, sometimes uh, their bodies are shaped a little bit different than they are in reality. There's sort of a playfulness to the way that he paints. If you've seen this, you know what I'm talking about. And he brings out these big colors in there. He tries to suck you in to see that life that's happening in this special way. And Roz, Roz's specialty in her sculptures is, is not, not only the whole thing, but the faces. And if you look at the faces in any of her sculptures, what they do is they communicate this message that the whole body uh, is attached to. That they, the, the thought that she is trying to communicate in the, in the sculpture is in the face and then flows out through the body. So take a look at them and you'll see that happening in there. The thing is, that if you see a, a painting that Mike has done or a sculpture that Roz has created, those things are an image or a reflection of what was in their mind or what they saw as the original, right? They aren't the original thing. Roz's sculpture of a little girl that's up on elk, that is a sculpture of something that she has envisioned that it was a real thing, a, a child playing, Right? But it's not the child playing. It's a reflection of that. Do you see what I'm saying? Same with Mike's paintings. He has a special way, his own way of crafting this image. It is a reflection of something else. It's a stylized reflection in his own way. And in other artists in there or other places up the street or anywhere you go, the artist is creating something on the canvas that's a reflection of the reality. Well, the same is true with marriage. The reason for marriage is to represent the relationship of Jesus with the church. The reason for marriage is to represent the relationship of Jesus with the church. So the thing that the marriage is representing is something that is a reality. It's the relationship Jesus has with the church and it is a uh, reflection of that couple of that thing that is reality. Now, if you're not a believer in here, I, well, there's people in all different states of their spiritual walk with God. And, and no matter how mature you are, when I say that the reason for marriage may not be what you thought it was, but it is to reflect the relationship of Jesus with the church, you may say, I don't know if I get that, Scott. I'm not sure I agree with you. Well, that's okay. 
I'm going to take this out of the Bible. So our authority in this church is the Bible. And that's what I'm going to bring to you and show you what it says. And, and since you're smart and intellectual and you are a thinking spiritual human being, what I want you to do is to, I want to ask that you would do is just really consider this, really think about it and see if it makes sense. And I think regardless of where you come from, whether you agree with me and me saying that or not, but you will begin to see the the, the sense that it makes and why God set it up that way. So we're going to be in Ephesians 5. So you can turn there. This is a great passage to uh, mark up, to be. It's, there are incredible things in, in Ephesians 5. There is practical instruction in marriage and there is theological instruction in marriage where we're going to see all of these ideas played out that I, in, in how God has created marriage to reflect what he has done for the church and through the church in his, with his son, Jesus. So if you will, look with me at uh, 5, verse 31 and 32. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Now, stop there for just a second. This is our universally understood picture of marriage. If we just had a definition, it's where two people come together and they become one in all ways. Everything about them is really one. Even though they're still two individuals, this covenant thing happens, this spiritual thing, this thing that's, that is deep, 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 and it connects them together. They become one. So we understand that. It's kind of a universally understood definition of marriage. But then Paul turns the corner or takes us around the corner, if you will, in verse 32, he says, this mystery, this thing that is marriage, is profound. This is hard to understand. You will, oh, sorry. This mystery is profound. Sorry, I, was, I missed my spot in my notes there. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ in the church. So the first verse, you could just take that and say, oh, I'm supposed to find the perfect person to meet my needs. We're com completely compatible and we're going to be together and it's going to work out and it's going to be great. But then he says, but what it is about is it is to reflect. I'm saying it refers to or reflects Christ in the church. Now, I don't know if you heard that idea in marriage counseling when you went through that, if you did that this relationship that you're in is the whole point of it is to reflect Christ in the church. See, everything that we've been taught about marriage or about deep, deep relationships, most of what we've been taught is that it is about fulfilling ourselves. I mean, if you we just take a, a little sample of culture, how about a romantic comedy? You ever watch one of those? Any guys enjoy those? Um, so, they're always the same story in some kind of variation, sometimes funnier than others, sometimes worse. But you know, the unlikely couple meets, they have lots of reasons why there's no way this is going to work out. And then by the end, they are completely in love and, everything, and everything's going to be great forever and ever. The end, right? And you know, you hardly ever see the next chapter in a romantic comedy. Because we have this... Uh, we have this infatuation dream 
built into us. We believe that what will happen, and, and this is, I'm still struggling with this. I'm like, when I, when I first met Claire, you know, whenever like she would like accidentally bump into me, it was like I, somebody hit my funny bone, right? Just a touch, like, you know, just this, is, there, this thing that happens for about, you know, a little over around two years, this infatuation that happens is the thing that we focus on so much and all the songs are about, all, especially the pop songs, all that our kids are learning is all about how good you make me feel. You are so hot. You know, I just want to touch you. You just need to touch me. You know, all that. Listen to the words. You know, we all have. We, uh, you know, we know that. But this is, these are the things that are continually playing in our heads. Always playing in our heads. That when I find the right person, and we all are thinking, I'm going to find the right person. That's what has been taught to us. I mean, God created this crazy attraction thing that happens, but what infatuation is, it's like the craziest, most intense beer goggles of all time, right? Because a guy comes home, you know, they're almost, they're almost two years into the relationship, or maybe that long, and says, she thinks I am Superman, and she's always going to think that, right? And, and she says to her friends, oh, he loves me. He adores me. I just know how much he adores me, right? And he'll always love and adore me like that, right? And that's how, and happily ever after, right? That's, that's what is happening when we're in that place. We even, get this, we actually want to serve each other in the infatuation period. Do you know what I'm talking about? Ladies, you're like, whatever happened to that? Like, he actually did stuff for me, right? And he didn't want anything in return, nothing. <laughs> but God created that, and it's a good thing. But, but listen, listen to this. This is really important to understand. Understanding the real reason for marriage changes temporary infatuation into true romance. Okay, I'm going to read that one more time. Understanding the real reason for marriage changes temporary infatuation into true romance. Excuse me. (laughs) Did you hear that beep? Uh, So we need to see marriage for what it really is. It's not an end in itself. It is not a thing that just fills us up and continually makes us happy forever and ever. It's not designed for us to find someone that will just meet us and fill our cup constantly. Marriage is a reflection of the most passionate, the most amazing, sacrificial, and powerful relationship that has ever existed. Do you see what I'm saying? Marriage is a reflection. It is a painting of the most incredible, most passionate, permanent, loving, sacrificial, unbelievable, most romantic relationship that has ever been, the story that has ever been told. That's what it is a reflection of. So how is it a reflection of that? Well, look, at, look back up at Paul's thesis in, in 5.1. So turn back up that way with me, 5.1. Therefore, be imitators of God 
as beloved children. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Let me just read through that one more time. Be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. So the subject of the art, there in verse 2, it says, Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Now, this is where I think, this is a big crux of this whole thing. And I want to ask you to think deeply with me on this just for a second. If what Christ did was to give himself up for us, if that's the real thing, then the reflection of it would look like that very same thing. That it would be two people giving themselves up for one another. Okay? And do you see how that is something totally other than what we are constantly taught that it should look like? It, we're constantly taught that I'm going to find that right person. They're going to meet my needs. I'll help them learn how to meet my needs, etc. But what's, what's really, what it really looks like, it, what it's really reflecting is something different. This thing that it is, is where let me read, Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. That's the real thing. But there's another word that comes right after that that is, I think this is sublime. This is, this is absolutely critical. In verse 2, he gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering, and here it is, and a sacrifice to God. Giving ourselves up is one thing. Humbling yourself, if you humble yourself, you still have yourself. That's hard enough. Sacrifice is another thing. Sacrifice is utterly giving up ourselves. Completely giving ourselves up. And did you notice who Christ completely gives himself up for? People who will betray him. People who have betrayed him. That's the model of the love and the, the fragrant sacrifice. This thing that this is reflecting it's a, it is a, this picture is totally different than it's been described to us as in class that it should look like because it's a reflection of something else. I think that, and I don't know how this happened, y'all, but cl- the infatuation period that my wife was in lasted an extremely long time because it should have ended really early. Like, I remember when I first came to my wife's house to take her on a date. And I don't, know how, I don't know how I got in the house. I had, you guys can go back this far. I had tight, short, OP, corduroy shorts on. <laughs> you guys that are as old as me know exactly what I'm talking about. And they were awesome. I'm trying to do my best, right? I really am. I got my best gear on. 
Okay, but it's not just that. That's just the bottom with my big hairy legs hanging out. So here's, here's the other thing. I think somehow I believe that a baggy, uh, reversible basketball jersey that's cut out here, down to here, so I can be free to shoot, is the best thing to wear to meet her at her house and meet her mom for the first time. So that stuff didn't ever change. You just kept going, you know, and we dated for quite a while. And so, so um, this is not the, the usually I want to encourage guys and girls to wait, if I'm counseling them, to get married, even to get engaged till after the infatuation period is over. However, for many of us, and I'm looking at many of you, it was wise to strike when she was in a great moment of weakness. <laughs> No offense. Okay. I, so what I'm saying is Claire's weakness lasted a very long time. You know, this, this is when guys, you're amazed, or friends of girls, you're amazed. She thinks he smells good. That's going to change, you know, or that he's going to continually be just this loving and adoring guy. Those, those things don't continue. What happens is when the infatuation ends is when we find out a little bit more about what the, re- the trajectory of the relationship is going to be like. So I guess what I would propose is that sacrifice, for you to think about, is that sacrifice is like the canvas that the painting is on. You don't have the painting without the canvas, without the surface to paint on. That sacrifice is that thing. Because Jesus, the one with all the rights, sacrificed himself utterly for an unworthy partner, for you and I, the church. That's the, picture, that's the real thing that our picture ref- should reflect. So uh, the next question, I think, is not just how, how does that all work out, but how in the world does that happen? I mean, how can you even begin to think about, from this day forward, making that painting that, that I'm in or that my friends are in or that I want to be in to look like that thing that is Christ in the church. Well, one thing is right there in Ephesians 5, 1, it says, walk in love. I think another way to say that is to walk in unity in relationship with Jesus. And we've talked about that as a priority of our church is what we do is we abide in Jesus. You know, We've, if you've been in a relationship, if you are in a relationship, a lot of times we're white-knuckling it. We're holding on and hoping that something changes. But I think the difference between white-knuckling it and the, the thing that we need to do rather than white-knuckle it is to abide in Jesus, to turn our eyes towards him. You know, when we're, uh, we're dating or looking for someone, we, we often say you want to find a person that you can't live without, right? That makes sense. You don't want to settle. But I want to encourage you, especially if you're not married or wherever you are in that, that we want to find a person who can't live without Jesus. That's what we need. When a person can't live without Jesus and they are abiding in Jesus, 
they have a much greater chance of reflecting the sacrifice that he offered in a, in a relationship. So we need to be looking for, in fact, we want to be nurturing that in our prospective spouses and our boyfriend, girlfriend, in, our, in the relationships that we have. As my, my single friends, I want you to encourage me to abide in Jesus because how better can you help me to be in a healthy marriage relationship? unless I'm abiding in Christ. That's the only way we find that. And there's another place in this passage we'll look at. It says that we find we are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what allows us to offer this sacrifice. That's the only way that it happens. We, we can, there's a big difference between doing, doing, doing and abiding in Christ. They're two totally different things. And I'm encouraging you when you're saying, well, how am I supposed to do any of this? The first thing is stop looking here and look at him so you can paint the picture. So a couple of last thoughts I'll, I'll leave you with. Um, when a good thing becomes a God thing, in other words, when something good that God has given us becomes something that it was not meant to be, then things start to get broken. It's like if I had my iPhone and I was like, hey, there is a nail that needs to get driven into the wall. I'm just going to use this iPhone. Right? That's not a very good idea because I'm using it for something it was never meant to, do, to be used for. So when I'm feverishly trying to make my relationship work and help my spouse understand me and, and make this thing where she fulfills me completely and Claire's like always just so attentive and thinks I'm Superman and everything and she's trying to make me always just adore her and love her and always be there for her. We're just doing this thing, that's when I'm focused on something that is not the point. I'm using the beautiful thing that God gave us for the wrong reasons. That beautiful thing is to be a reflection of Christ and his incredible sacrifice for the church. So what I want to encourage you to do is to take another look at Jesus and let that inform what you're painting. And if you're single or you're, you have friends who are married, take a look at Jesus and encourage your friends to do the same thing. Because when we're abiding in Christ is when we have the best chance of painting the picture as it should be. It's marriage, the reason for it is to be a reflection of the relationship of Christ and the church. So I'm going to pray for us and we will head out and... Abide in Christ, I trust. God, uh, come to you with my friends here, and as we are all in this community, or often in this community, Lord, uh, relationships are the hardest thing. They're just the hardest thing, whether they're friendships or other uh, marriage relationships or even dating. God, many of us have a lot of hurts. We have a lot of baggage. We're on that wall, that climbing wall, and we just can't, we are so scared to, to move. We're just hanging on uh, for dear life. And God, I pray that instead of that fear, instead of um, feverishly trying to do what we've always thought we were supposed to do, I pray that we would just abide in Jesus. That we would just take that deep breath look at his word, understand who he is, and let that fill us as we get to know him, God. I know that that, that is what you have for us in marriage. And Lord, it is, uh, um, 
It's most beautifully expressed when it reflects the sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus made. So all this we lift up in his name. Amen. All right, it's great to have you guys. Have a wonderful week.